hasn't today been a day of worship? What an incredible morning that we've already experienced. I get the privilege of kicking off the Psalm series. Hasn't it been pretty refreshing as we've walked into the worship center and seen all of these banners around us declaring who God is? We need these reminders, don't we? We need them daily, but especially when trouble finds its way to our doorstep. Today, we're looking at Psalm 9, and we're focusing on the truth that we can trust God in troubled times. We've heard that in the testimony from Mike. We continue to hear that from God's word in Psalm 9. You know, there are two types of trouble that we can get into. Trouble that we brought upon ourselves. We've chosen to sin. We've chosen to go against the Lord. The answer for this type of trouble is confession and repentance. Our pastor has talked about that during the school of prayer. Go back to that series. Listen to it. If that's the kind of trouble that you're facing today, there are answers. God sees you and he has a plan for you. But today, I want to talk about the other type of trouble. It's when your cause is right, you find yourself up against culture, people, health difficulties, and struggles that seem to prevent you from moving forward doing what you know is right. You're seeking vindication. You're seeking peace. You're seeking truth. You're seeking victory. And the feeling of this great weight of the battle is ever present and upon you. It's this kind of trouble that I want to address with you today. It doesn't take long from the time that you choose to follow Christ for trouble to come. All through scripture, we see godly men and women encountering trouble. David and Goliath, Moses, Abraham, Joseph, Jesus, Paul and Silas. The list goes on and on. And if we look closely in the Psalms, we can resonate with this poetry that we have felt the sting of trouble right about the time that we've declared to be wholehearted in our commitment to God. And this is where we find David in Psalm 9, as he writes the psalm in the middle of trouble. So let's read it. Let's read Psalm 9. This is read 1 through 11. I will thank the Lord with all my heart. I will declare all your wondrous works. I will rejoice and boast about you. I will sing about your name, Most High. When my enemies retreat, they stumble and perish before you. For you have upheld my just cause. You are seated on your throne as a righteous judge. You've rebuked the nations. You've destroyed the wicked. You've erased their name forever and ever. The enemy has come to eternal ruin. You've uprooted the cities and the very memory of them have perished. But the Lord sits enthroned forever. He's established his throne for judgment. He judges the world with righteousness. He executes judgment on the nations with fairness. The Lord is a refuge for the persecuted, a refuge in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you because you have not abandoned those who seek you, Lord. Sing to the Lord who dwells in Zion. Proclaim his deeds among the nations. If we truly believe that God is in control and he is the most high God above all others and cannot be thwarted, there must be a reason that God allows trouble to follow his people. 
There must be lessons that we can only learn when we trust God in the midst of trouble. All my life I've been taught to trust the Lord. I was taught at an early age that Bible verse, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understandings. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. But what does trust actually look like? How do we trust God? Psalms 46.10 says this, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. Another translation says, Cease striving. Another translation says, Stop fighting and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. Psalms 9.10, we just read, says those who know your name trust in you because you've not abandoned those who seek you, Lord. To trust, we need to know God's name. To trust, we need to seek God. So what does it mean to know God's name? Well, in the Old Testament, we see that the Jewish people had such a reverence for God's name that they, they, they had all these rules of how to write it down, how to speak it. They revered his name so much and it was too much of a concept for one name to be enough. So they had lots of names for God to describe his nature and his character. He is so big that not just one name could define him. Because they knew that a name was more than just a title. See, when you know God's name, you know his nature. His names and titles reveal who he is and what he can do. Yahweh, um, translated means the Lord, is found in Psalms 9, the very beginning. El Shaddai, God Almighty. Elion, God Most High. It's also in Psalms 9, verse 2. Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides the first time we see that is when Abraham was taking Isaac up to, to give the sacrifice and God provided a ram for Isaac to sacrifice instead of his son. And so he called him Jehovah Jireh, God who provides. He's the Lord, the sovereign king, savior, our rock, our defender, our hope, our good shepherd, all around us today, we have seen the names of the Lord and the nature of the Lord on banners. This, is, this has been so encouraging because the better that we know God, the better that we understand who he is, the more we can trust him. And the more that we trust him, the better we will get to know him. So let's look at the two names that we see in Psalms 9. The first one is Yahweh. Now it's translated in your in your text as Lord, many of you will have all the letters capitalized, L-O-R-D, Lord. But that is from the, the, the Hebrew word Yahweh. When you see it in the Bible, um, they are referring to, um, to the Lord. And it's done over 6,500 times in the Bible. It's the most used name of God in all of the Bible. And it means I am. Um, but the tense is is better for us to understand it this way. He who will be is and has been. So Yahweh means he who will be is and has been. 
So the name of God, Yahweh, is a perpetual testimony to his faithfulness and to his promises. He's always been, he's right there in the middle of it, and he always will be. And he is reminding us that God is ever present with his people to save us, to help us, to deliver us, to redeem us, to bless us, to keep his covenant with us. This is what it means when it says the Lord. And so every time that we see that in the Bible, we are reminded that he always was. He is present right now and he always will be. What an encouragement when we're in the middle of trouble. Well, the other word for God that is in um, Psalm 9 is found in, in the verse 2 and it says most high. That's El Elyon. That means God most high. In trouble, isn't it encouraging to know that there is someone that's high above all the junk that you're experiencing? That he can see everything. He is above it all. He knows it and he sees you. He sees you amidst the trouble and he still reigns. He's still on his throne. So when we know God's name, our trust in him is strengthened. When we trust in God, our praise of God and his name exponentially expands. We can even praise God in the middle of our trouble. That's how Psalms 9 begins. Isn't that interesting? That in the middle of David's trouble, he chooses to begin the psalm with praise to God. Not a list of his worries, not concerns that he has, not get him, God, they're messing with me. But God, you are worthy of praise. So let's read it again. Verse 1. I will thank the Lord, Yahweh, with all my heart. I will declare all your wondrous works. I'm so thankful, church, for First Baptist and for how we do life together. I'm thankful that we have a children's ministry that encourages our children to seek out God's sightings. That's what this passage is saying. I will thank the Lord with all my heart. I will declare all your wondrous works. Anyone that's ever been at Vacation Bible School knows every day you do God sightings. When have you seen God and how has he been working? And they declare his wondrous works. That church is us training up people to praise God in the midst of trouble. That's why we've decided to memorize Psalms 8. It's been a while since I memorized. Aren't y'all excited about it? It reminds me of a song that I sang um, uh, the majesty and glory of your name has all these words in it, but it's in the wrong order. It's real stressful. So I'm trying to sing it, but you know, it's got some things I got to work on. Um, I'm so excited. We as a church have decided to memorize this passage because it helps us declare the wondrous works of the Lord. We need to be reminded of that. I'm thankful that our church has chosen for the next four weeks to have testimonies. Weren't you blessed? By Mike Lee. Can't wait till next week. See what happens and who we get to hear from. Testimonies are so important because when we're going through trouble, what's helpful? Reading God's word, remembering who God is and reminding ourselves of other people that have gone through difficulty and God was faithful. That's so important, church, for us to have that. That's why we need to have testimonies of missionaries. 
when they come so that we know it's not just God working here, but he's working all over the world. That he has power and his wondrous works are not limited to America, to Texas, to Nacogdoches, but all of creation. What's the next verse? Verse 2. I will rejoice and boast about you. I will sing about your name most high. You know, I went with the youth. Hunter asked me to go with the youth to Six Flags. It's a tough job, but someone's got to do it. (laughs) And so I was with the youth, and um, one of the games that um, we played in the vehicle that we were going up uh, to uh, to Six Flags was um, the music game. You pick a genre, and you only get one song from that genre, and then that can never be used again. I thought it was a great game. I came up with it. I was in a car. I was in a car with a bunch of people that loved country music. And so they just kept on coming up with subcategories and genres of country music. We got to like 16 subcategories of country music. When we were coming back, we had kind of started that game again. And um, we passed a wreck that was pretty bad. It didn't look like there was... um, that there was a good outcome from the car, from just what we saw. So um, immediately the people in, in the car that I was in said, we got to pray. And we began to pray, pray for the people that were in the wreck. We began to pray for the EMTs and all those that were coming through. And then after a little bit, we went back to the game of songs, but the songs were different. I don't even know if the students connected the dots and realized, but we began talking about praise and worship songs that we really loved. And we began singing those songs together. And we found comfort and encouragement in trouble by going to the Lord. Church, that doesn't just happen. That's not just because those are great spiritual kids. They're great spiritual kids. It's because we as a church family invest and are intentional so that when trouble comes, they go to God. When trouble comes, they're used to it because they're seeing God's sightings. They go and think about how is God in the midst of it. So let me ask you a question, church family. When was the last time that you shared a God sighting. When was the last time that you boasted in God, who he is, what he's done? You see, adults, I think we get so isolated, don't we? We surround ourselves with the same people day in and day out. They know us, we know them. We forget that we should be sharing where we see God and how God has made an impact in our lives. That's why I think this family Sunday school is so important. It's because it's getting us out of our normal. It's helping us rub shoulders with other people that we don't normally rub shoulders with. And now we can ask each other, what's God doing in your life? Have you seen a God sighting? What's your testimony? We're doing everything that we can to make it easy for you. We're having testimonies up here in service. We're getting you amongst people that you're not used to being around so that you can talk to them and find out who they are. We're telling you to invite them to lunch. We're giving you every opportunity because it's so important for us to know the stories of the Lord, to be reminded of his faithfulness, 
to remind ourselves of how incredible our God is and that he is worthy of our trust. That's why I think this summer series is so important. That's why I think um, by us experiencing several shared spiritual experiences together, it opens the door for us to talk more with one another. Were you there? Did you hear? What did that make you think of? Let's talk about a testimony that we heard. Man, I loved Mike's. Let me tell you mine. It gives us an opportunity of shared spiritual experiences, allows us and opens the door for more of that kind of talk to declare the wondrous works of God. It's interesting that David began the psalm with praise. I had to ask my, myself the question, when I face trouble, what is my first response? We're taught through um, uh, philosophy, psychology, that there are two types of responses, fight or flight, right? That we either run or we dig in and fight. But you know, fight doesn't always mean getting into conflict with people or circumstances that have caused us trouble. There is another way that we can fight. It's by our resolve, by standing on what we know, by standing on our beliefs. That's what praising God is doing. We're resolved that God is on his throne and he will have the victory. When your cause is right, God is on your side. He is on his throne. He's administering his world the way he wants to. Now, David didn't quite understand all that God was doing, but he knew that God was doing it. And that's why he says, but you, Lord, are on your throne forever. When I think about that, he wasn't just um, sitting on his throne waiting to what's going to happen next. He wasn't standing. He was seated because he knew what was happening. And it was in his plan. So when your cause is right, you can praise God even in the midst of apparent defeat. So it now kind of makes sense. Have you ever wondered why when the Israelites were fighting that they always put the priests at the front to sing songs? I was always a little bit worried about that since I wanted to go into ministry when I was a little kid. I mean, why are they putting me at the front of the line? You know, where are the, where are the swords? You know, but the reason is, is because in the front of the line, they are declaring the victory of God before the battle even begins. See, that's the kind of confidence that we can have, the kind of trust that we can have in the Lord is that we already know he's in control. And when things look darkest and when it looks like defeat is imminent, we know God is still God and we can trust him. We often think God needs us to help and fight, <laughs> fight the circumstances, fight the people, fight obstacles, push our way through. My dad has often been caught saying this to me, Mark, don't push it. My nature, and if we're honest, most of us have the same nature that we want to push through when we hit up against a wall. But how did the Israelites tear down the wall of Jericho? By praising God. 
So are the Israelites of old just more spiritual than us? No, we know better than that, right? No, uh, they did have some success in praising God in the midst of trouble. And this is how they did it. Real quickly, let me just hit a couple of things. It was through the discipline of celebration. They had a feast system that set up to help God's people remember what they had gone through in the faithfulness of God. Think of Passover, that's a feast. But there were six others. The Feast of Unleavened Bread, of First Fruits, Weeks, Trumpets, Days of Atonement, the Feast of Tabernacles. Our college students are going through these feasts on Tuesday nights at the BCM. But how do we celebrate? How do we celebrate um, what God has done? Well, we've got Christmas, we have Easter, but we also have baptism. Every time baptism happens, that's a celebration and it should remind us of what God has done. We have when people accept Christ and they come forward. Hopefully we'll see that very soon, that people will come forward and say, I've made a profession of faith. That's a celebration. And by celebrating that, reminding it, not just saying, I'm so glad you made that decision, but reminding yourself of when did you make that decision? And they have shared their testimony. It should remind you, now go out and share yours. Through the discipline of Sabbath, pausing, being still, knowing that God is God. That's why it's so important to come to church on Sundays. You're developing a habit of pausing and acknowledging God is in control. So that when everything feels out of control, you'll naturally fall into the rhythm that God is still on his throne. Because you've been doing it at least once a week. Through the discipline of scripture and uh, reading and memorizing. We're trying to work on that this, this summer as well. Through the discipline of prayer, praying and reminding us to invite God in to every nook and cranny of our lives. Through the discipline of praise. If we begin working on these disciplines, when trouble comes, we'll be ready to fight, to stand, to be resolved to praise the Lord, Yahweh, who will be, is, and <clears throat> and has been for all time. To trust his name, to trust his nature, to trust his power, for he is El Elyon, the Lord Most High, higher than our problems, higher than our thoughts and our ways, higher than our enemies, seated upon the throne. We can trust this Lord. So are there any examples of this, of this actually working? I think of Paul and Silas. Remember when they were thrown into prison? They were beaten. They were humiliated. They were shackled. And what did they do? They sang songs of praise. Church family, it is so important for us to encourage one another in song, in hymns, in testimony, in truth, reminding each other of God's word, we can be an encouragement when we are going through trouble. We're looking for those to remind us of God's, God's love, God's strength, God's purpose. And when someone else is in trouble, we should be quick to come alongside them and declare his wondrous works. So I've got a homework assignment for you. Are you ready? It's almost done. You didn't have any notes. So now here comes your notes. 
in your bulletin in the place where there's a blank space with a bunch of, of emptiness, write on that the alphabet, A, B, C, D, just down the, down the page. And after each letter of the alphabet, can you come up with a name or character or nature of who God is? He's the Almighty, the bright morning star, the creator, our deliverer, everlasting, faithful father, glorious God, holy of holies. He's Emmanuel. He's Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, Messiah. Keep going all the way till you get to Z. Then go back, and you can list several. Then go back and find where that name of God or character or trait is found in the Bible. And write the reference to where that is. After you've done that, go back. Can you think of a song that we sing about that character or that nature of God? Then go back. Can you think of a story, a personal testimony in your life or someone's life that you know that fits that characteristic? You've seen that characteristic show up and make a difference in someone's life or story. This should be an ongoing list. This should help you in your times of trouble. When you are struggling, you can look at that list and go, here's, here's what I need from the Lord. This characteristic, this nature of Him, His faithfulness, His love, His refuge, He's a deliverer, I need that. Here's a scripture I can find that will help me with that. Here's a song I can sing. No one has to listen to it but myself. I'm singing it. Here's a story from my life that reminds me he was a deliverer. Here's a story from someone else that's helped me. He is a God who delivers. That would be a homework assignment worth keeping for a long time. Will you pray with me? Father God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for giving us an opportunity to come and to be encouraged by your word. Father, I know that there are people here that are in the middle of trouble and they are seeking you. So Father, I pray, I pray that you would reveal yourself to them. I pray that we, your people, would be sensitive to your spirit and to go and make much of your name. In your son's name we pray, amen.